0: Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 335 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We have a wonderful guest joining us today to discuss recruiting from the unique perspective as an AAU coach, as well as the AAU coach of a Duke commit. But before we get into all that, Donald Wine here. I am the host for this episode. Sam Klein is unfortunately not able to be with us this week due to scheduling conflicts, but I
1: do have Jason Evans here. So, Jason, hello to you. Hey, Donald. And uh, replacing Sam this week is <laughs> is someone who, yeah, you, you just uh, teased it a little bit. Someone who definitely knows Duke basketball, Coach K, uh, Duke recruiting, all of it. We are We are going to be very lucky to bring this guest to you folks.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Let's just get right into it. We are honored to be joined by a former Duke basketball and Duke soccer player, he has a national championship ring with the 2001 Duke Blue Devils. You can hear him extensively on Jason's miniseries about that team return to glory. He's also an AAU coach and happens to be the coach of recent Duke commit Kyle Filipowski. We have Andy Borman here. Andy, thanks so much for joining us on the show.
2: My pleasure, guys. My pleasure. Let's go.
0: Yeah, we are going to get started with recruiting and your time on the AAU circuit as a coach. So I'm going to turn the floor over to Jason to kick us off with that. So go ahead, Jason.
1: Yeah. So Andy, the, the first thing I think that Duke fans are most interested in is, of course, Kyle Filipowski, um, who was the first official recruit of the John Shire era. Uh, let, let's start with this. Uh, assess his game for me. You, you've been his coach um, on, on the A. Uh, by the way, how long have you been uh, coach? How long have you known Kyle? How long have you coached him?
2: Uh, two years. Two years. So he came over right after his freshman season. And then the next year, was COVID, so we didn't spend a lot of time playing against other teams, but we spent a lot of time in the gym together, right? And then this past year was our first year on the court competing against, you know, the best of the best.
1: And and he competed quite well, as I understand it. Hey, t- take me through his game. You've you've probably seen more of him as a basketball player than just about anyone else out there. Uh, you spoke about all the practices and the such. Give me the scouting report on Kyla Filipowski.
2: Yeah, think think part Mike Dunleavy, part Kyle Singler, part Christian Laettner, um, you know, and, and dude, dude uh,
1: temper our expectations. Come on. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, 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 and, and and he's a kid and a young man that really embodies everything that Duke basketball is about because he cares about winning first and foremost. Uh, And he's a true competitor. You know, he's one of the guys that you love to have on your team, but if he was playing for another team, I don't think you'd like him very much um, because he'll do anything to win. He's a great teammate. Um, 6'11", can handle the ball is really what I would call a playmaker, right? Because I don't know, what exact position he really is, because he can handle, shoot, pass, score on the interior, um, rebound offensively and defensively, is very, very much a modern basketball player.
1: Uh, talk about, uh, I mean, people see him. I think as a as a stretch four, stretch five kind of player because of that outside shot. Talk to me a little bit about you know how good of an outside shooter is he. Is this a guy who's gonna? pull up and take threes off the dribble or is it more like pick and pop kind of stuff?
2: No, no, no. He, he can do both. He can do both. That That's why, you know, everybody wants to put a number on him. You know, really, I played him if we're going to use numbers, I played him at the three, I played him at the four and I played him at the five. Um, but I, I don't like to use numbers with Kids, because that's really not the game nowadays. The, the key with Kyle is that he's just a mismatch. So whatever the opposing coach did, we would just do the opposite, right? So if, if you want to go big, that's great. Now we're going to go small, and we're going to make your center guard Kyle, right? And if you're going to go small, now we're going to go big, and now we're going to make a smaller guy guard Kyle um, because he is such an excellent passer, and so putting him in consistent mismatches was not just great for him; it was great for our entire team, you know. And so that that was—he's really just a mismatch, and he's versatile, and he can—he's a mismatch, and this is what I think is truly unique: is he's a mismatch on both sides of the ball because not only can he play up and down the ladder offensively, but he can guard up and down the ladder. You know, he can block shots. He can switch ball screens. You know, he's just really, really team friendly. And he's really coach friendly.
1: Uh, So uh, look, you're describing him as the second coming. Almost. There's gotta be some weakness. What, what is it that you tell Kyle he needs to work on? What are the things you think that, you know, might hold him back a little bit?
2: No, I think, the, I think for him, it's just decision-making, right? Because if you're going to, your decision-making isn't necessarily something that you can do in, in, a, in a skill workout. You know, it, it, it just requires, you know, experience and repetitions, you know, and, you know, obviously the best players in the world are, are the best decision-makers, right? And, and that generally just takes a little bit of time. You know, with, with Kyle, I wouldn't say that there's really a hole in his game. Like, it, it, there's not this one thing where you say, like, oh, man, if he could do this. But I think he's really good at a lot of things. And I think the best thing about him is that he can get better at all of them, right? He, he, he has a body he's going to get. When he gets with Coach Will in the weight room, he's going to get stronger. Right. And, and when he gets with Nolan and Emile and Chris Carowell and Coach Shire, like he's going to get better across the board in every area. And I think that's, you know, that that's the exciting part about him.
1: Uh, look, obviously, he has tremendous, tremendous skills for a guy his size. Talk to me about his athleticism a little bit. I mean, how is he as a run jump kind of guy? How's his how's his quickness?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's – he for his size, he's pretty darn athletic. Um, Now, you know, he's not Zion, right? And so, you know, the thing with him, you know, is a lot of it is going to be IQ, right? And it's going to be, you know, learning how to – and he's good at this, right? But, you know, once again, got to keep getting better – you know, it's just learning that I'm going to shift the way I play, depending on who I play against. Right. There are some guys I can pressure. There are some guys that I need to force into drivers, some guys I need to force into being jump shooters. And I think that that's who he is, um, you know, as a defender is just being able to force other players into, you know, kind of settling for you know, their second or third option, but taking away their
1: strength. Um, uh, let's talk about his recruitment a little bit. Uh, were, were you the one, because this is a guy who wasn't, I mean, look, he was a highly regarded recruit, but he wasn't like, you know, the kind of guy that Duke would automatically look at, um, uh, at least in terms of his recruiting ranking prior to the past few months when he's, you know, his performance on the court has has really opened some eyes and he's shot up in the recruiting rankings. Um Uh, Were were you the one, did you tell Duke to come look at him or did they find him on their own and and then reach out to you? How'd that go?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it kind of applies to everyone, right? Like, especially everyone in the Northeast, COVID just put everything on a delay. It really did. You know, during COVID, you know, teams in Florida, teams in Georgia, teams in Texas, you know, kind of those Southern states, they were still playing you know, so you could see them and you could see them against others, you know, up here, you know, in New York, we weren't, we were not playing against others. So, you know, with Kyle and not just Kyle, like all of our guys, you know, you know, Denver Anglin, Chance Westry, Roddy Gale, Dominic Barlow. I mean, we, we, Simeon Wilcher, you know, we, we have some studs, Chisholmok Para. So like, I knew how good they were, but we're in a gym with ourselves, you know? So I'm, I'm right. saying like, I know how, I know how good they are, but we're not playing against other teams in the area. So, yes. I, I mean, I was talking to everyone, you know, you know, Duke included, you know, but really everyone and saying like, Hey, I think these guys are really good. Um, and then this spring, you know, and by the way, that was for an entire year. Um, <laughs> and, and then, this spring, we didn't travel anywhere nationally, but what we did is we played regionally, right? And so we got a chance to play against team final with Jalen Duran and Derek Lively and Imani Bates. We got a chance to play against Albany City Rocks with J.J. Starling. You know, we got a chance to play against a bunch of kind of like the best guys from Virginia to New England. And then that's when it was like, oh wow, like... I was right. You know, like the, the, this kid's really good. And everything we did, these coaches couldn't see it in person, but what they could is they could see it on a live stream or on a videotape or on Synergy. We actually did some really cool stuff with Synergy. And uh it was funny. I, I remember when uh John Shire called me and uh he was like, Hey, like we love him, and it was like John and I were joking about it and it was, it was more a matter of when, right. It wasn't necessarily like if Duke's going to recruit him. it's just when is Duke going to recruit him? just because so many coaches love, love the eye test. And that that's what we've all grown up with. We've all grown up with evaluating in person.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um,
2: and, and that, that was kind of taken off the table. Um, so that, that was kind of the progression. And then, um, once those two guys, you know, Coach Shire and Kyle started talking to one another, I kind of took a step back and it was just fun to watch their relationship uh, progress. It was really cool.
1: I mean, how quickly did you know that that Kyle was probably going to pick Duke?
2: <laughs> I did. I, I, honestly, I didn't. I didn't. And I'm, I was in such a, a tough spot, you know, being completely Duke. Blue. And, and, you know, the fact is, I I said, I said it the first time, you know, when I spoke to the Filipowskis, you know, as a family, you know, I said, if, if Duke recruits you, and I think they will, you know, I can't promise you they will, but I think they will. And if they recruit you, I need you to understand that I'm going to be completely biased. And so, you know, and so what, at I least you're to, honest, you know, yeah. that is refreshing so, to
0: hear. We appreciate that.
2: Yeah. But what I have to do is I also have to be completely transparent because my experience with Duke was something that, you know, couldn't have gone better. Right. It was a 10 out of 10 and that, but that was my experience. Right. And, and we're not, we're not looking for my experience. We're looking for your experience. And so, you know, really I took a step back, you know, because at that point when Kyle's recruitment got, you know, to the point where he could really go anywhere he wanted to go. Now, now it's about just what's best for Kyle. Um, You know, so a a lot of my thoughts and feelings about the whole thing, I I really kept myself because I wanted you know, Kyle doesn't need to develop a relationship with the Duke staff through me. He needs to develop it on his own.
1: That's a great um, point, yeah.
2: You know, but it was incredible to watch them because I do remember uh, after a conversation that uh, John Shire and Kyle had, I do remember John calling me and saying like, hey, Andy, is, is this kid for real? You know, like everything he's saying is like, it's, it's almost too good to be true. Um, and then I hang up with John and, you know, Kyle calls me and, you know, Hey man, is, is this guy for real? Because like everything he's saying <laughs> is what I'm, what I'm looking for, you know? So oh, at, I love at it. that. Yeah. At, at that point, you know, it was just me saying to John, like, yes, John, this is who Kyle is. And yes, Kyle, this is who coach Shire is like, there's no recruiting going on. You, you guys are showing your true selves um, and that's when I started to believe this this could happen but it was not a sure thing when when Kyle told me he had made up his mind, I was okay, where are we going um you know and when he told me Duke I, I was not like I, it wasn't some inside thing like it was oh wow, okay this is cool. how long do I have to keep this a secret because I'm not good at keep keeping secrets, buddy um, how long was so, it how,
1: how 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 soon after
2: no it was it was um it was probably like the day before he <laughs> called John you know it you know it was really uh it was really soon you know but I think you know you'd have to ask Kyle how long he knew like where his heart was but he told me the day before he told John, and I think he told John, you know, the day before it was announced. Yeah.
1: By the way, did, was Kyle cognizant, did he really want to be the first recruit for John Shire? Or is that like not part of it? I
2: I think that'd be a great question for Kyle.
1: Okay. Um, Okay.
2: I think that would be a really good question for Kyle. I can tell you that, uh, that with him, you know, with his recruitment, he was getting called by everyone all the time. And I think, I think with him, it was kind of at a point where it's like, like I'm done. I'm done with the recruitment process. I want to, I want to kind of move to the next step. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, Kyle can tell you what his, Thought process was, but I do think part of it was, I want to get in early. I believe in this coach; he is right for me. And on top of that, I want to help build this class, right? I want to help build. You
1: know, Ooh, so love hey, to hear hey that.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, Coach Shire. Not only do I want to come to Duke, but I want to bring others too. Who we going to get, and how can I help? You know, and so um, I think that was part of it as well.
1: God, you know, I mean, can you give me any more reasons not to love this kid? This is this is great stuff, Andy. <laughs> I,
2: I'm, I, and that's why I say, like, I I don't want to set you know him up with some impossible standard because none of this is fabricated. It's really who he is. You know, like, you know, if you're going to judge him on made and missed shots, then okay, you know, there may be days you're frustrated with him, but if you're gonna judge him on winning and effort and, you know, character and all the things that are truly, you know, substance matters, then you'll never have a problem with them at any time.
1: Hey, hey, let me ask you really quick. You, you talked a bit about the fact that you guys were stuck in the gym without having games for, for a year. Um, How much did, was there a big improvement that you saw on the players? Was it better for them to only be practicing? Ah,
2: yes and no. I mean, look, with, with us, we're a Nike EYBL program, you know, so our team is made up of the best kids from around. Right. And so, you know, whether it's practice or competition, I think they go hand in hand. I don't think one can survive without the other. Um, Did Kyle take a jump? Absolutely. So did his brother, Matthew. I mean, like Matthew's jump the last 18 months has been, you know, something I'm so damn proud of for him. Um, You know, all of our guys, Dominic Barlow, you know, they all made jumps. And I, I, I don't think it's a matter of practice versus games. I think it's a matter of putting them in the gym with guys that are as good as them. And then that way, if you have an off day, you're going to get your butt kicked. And so what (laughs) what it does, you know, is it requires you to bring it and to bring it at all times, you know, and I think good players want to play with good players. And I think good players want to play against good players, you know, and I and that's why I say I think it's a blend of both, you know, but I think Kyle got better because Dominic Barlow pushed him. And I think, you know, like I think it goes round and round because this team I had this past year, you know, I love them with my whole heart. We had an incredibly talented group that really loved getting after one another.
1: Hey, you mentioned Matt Filipowski just really quick. And, and, and we've mentioned him on this podcast before. Um, He he is Kyle's twin. He is also, you know, right around seven feet, but not, he's not considered as highly regarded a recruit. Uh, You, you, you told me you don't think that, that Duke is in the cards for Matt, right? I mean, that that's
2: right. Like that's something that time will tell. I think, I think the thing with Matthew, you know, is that, Whereas, whereas Kyle's a little bit more of a, a versatile kind of like guard forward hybrid, you know, Matthew is really more of a, a post player, but he's so modern in the fact that you don't bury him under the rim. And it took me, you know, and I had the, the luxury and I've said this to Matthew, you know, I had the luxury of working with Matthew, you know, for months. Before I really learned how to play him, you know, because mo- most of the big guys I coach, you know, they're comfortable around the rim, but it takes them time to learn how to play away from the basket. Whereas Matthew's really good away from the basket and he's a phenomenal passer and he can shoot it. And, you know, Kyle's on the bottom side of seven feet, Matthew's above seven feet. I think Matthew's probably seven one. And I think with with Matthew, I think he has a chance that, you know, by the time he's a sophomore or junior in college, he could be the best out of the bunch. Um, you know, he's got a chance. Like, he really has a unique skill set. And sometimes bigger guys just take a little longer to get to the finish line. Um, but I think for him, his recruitment is going to be – Everything from Ivy League to mid-major, it's going to be huge. And for him, it's just going to be finding the right spot for him where he can be himself because when Matthew is himself, that is an extremely impressive thing.
1: Hey, I got two other things I want to do with you really quick, and then I'm going to hand it over to Donald for some other stuff. But um, first thing is I want to ask you about what it was like playing at the Peach Jam. and, uh, you know, and your team had something pretty unfortunate happen. You had, a, you had a, about a COVID come to the team. Talk to me about what, it, what Peach Jam was like and what it was like, you know, as you guys, uh, you know, had to deal with the virus.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was exhausting. That, that's if you ask me to describe Peach Jam in one word, it was, it was exhausting. Um, you know, we 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 had players test positive and then we had players come back you know, we had a false positive, you know, we like, it it's kind of across the board. um Wow. You know, but, you know, the fact that this team and it, it like, they really embodied the word team. The fact that they made it to the final four after going, going through that adversity was really incredible. And, and to make it to the final four without Kyle was really incredible. And to make it to the final four with, you know, the fact that Chisholm Acapara spent an entire week isolated in a hotel room, Roddy Gale spent two days in a hotel room, and then we found out it was a false positive. So then he could come back. Like, we're not a, we're not a college team where, you know, you can like practice five times before that, you know, next game to get guys back in rhythm. You know, they, they kind of test negative and you throw them on the court. Um, so <laughs> You know, the the fact that we went through all that, and as we went through it, our team got stronger and tighter and closer together um, was, it was, I'm so darn proud of those kids. It's not even funny.
1: Last thing from me, and and I want to get back to Kyle again. Um, One of the questions that we have to wonder about every single recruit that comes to Duke in this day and age is how long are they on campus? Um, yeah. what's your assessment of how Kyle's game may translate to the NBA? And as a result of that question, do you think, look, there, there's some guys that we know are going to be one and done. Paolo Bencaro is going to be one and done. Um, Zion Williamson was clearly going to be one and done. We, we know this about some guys. There are other guys where we're not as sure. And, um, uh, you know, give me your assessment of Kyle Filipowski down the road, do you think he's a multi-year college player or is he someone who probably is going to move on to the NBA fairly quickly?
2: I, I think he's a multi-year player. Um, I, and and I think that, you know, and I've said this to Kyle and I've said it to his parents and I've said it to Coach Shire and the whole staff. And, and I think we're all in agreement on it. You know, uh, I, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked one way or the other with whatever happens down the road with Kyle. I think the expectation going in, is four years and, and words like championships and, and leaving a legacy, you know, that, that's, that's why Kyle ultimately chose Duke, you know, as his school. Um, If it's sooner than four years, I think it will be one of those things where Kyle and his parents and, and John sit down together, you know, kind of, kind of like my college roommate, Mike Dunleavy. Where you know, like, like, sure, like, I would have loved for Mike to come back. Sure, everyone would have. I'm sure Mike would have, but he was the number three pick in the draft. He had to go, yeah. And so I, I think, I think with Kyle, you know, let's not rush to judgment. But, you know, graduate, and if if you develop and and a no brainer opportunity presents itself beforehand, then let's address it then you know, but let's not rush the gun, you know, like everybody's so in love with, you know, predictions, you know, and my thing is like, like that that's fun to talk, talk about, but it's also, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, like, Oh, being a four year player at Duke, when has that ever been a bad thing? You know, yeah, like, like yeah. you, you, started saying a kid's uh, two and done, but then, Oh, he went back to Duke for an extra year. Since when is that a bad thing? You know, like, be, being a four-year player is a great thing. And, you know, and so my thing is, like, let's set the expectation there and see what happens.
1: I love it. All right, I'm going to hand it off to Donald. He's got some other questions. Andy, this is great stuff. Yeah, not a problem.
0: So, Andy, I want to shift gears to – I know Kyle is going to be coming into the 2022-23 Duke blue team, but we want to talk about this year's team. And, obviously, in this offseason, the big story has been – uh, the announcement that Coach K will be entering his final season as head coach. You, of course, uh, are the nephew of Coach K, and so yep. I just want to ask you: What did you think when you heard the news? And and how did you hear about this news? Was it something that he told you? Or Was this something that you had to kind of hear through the grapevine, like other players do? Because you're you're uniquely involved, being also family, yeah. but also a member of the brotherhood.
2: No, man, I, I found out when it was on uh, the Sports Center ticker. You know, I I, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know beforehand. I actually had to make a couple phone calls to say, what the heck, man? <laughs> um, but uh, no, I found out that way. And I think, you know, as anyone that knows me would say, I think my first reaction was extremely immature and selfish. And then I think as I got, you know, a little more comfortable with the idea, then, then you know, i slightly and slowly came around, but my, my first reaction was no, like, no, absolutely not. I you know like, like coach is going to coach forever, right? Like you're, you're not hanging it up. No way, man. Like, um, and, and I think, you know, as I, you know, kind of slowly thought about it and then got a chance to talk to, you know, some of my teammates and, and coach himself, I think the thing I would say is, you know, Coach always knows what's best, right? He he always does, and and we trust that in him. We always have, and you know, he deserves to do it his way. Um, he deserves to be happy doing it his way, um, and so this is his way. And so I think once again, like my emotional reaction you know, probably immature and selfish, you know, and then as I've kind of started to process it, um, you know, going through my stages of grief, right. Um, I'm, I'm finally on acceptance now.
0: I, I'm glad that you were just like every Duke fan out there. We're just yeah. kind of like, no,
2: absolutely not. We're kind of like,
0: okay, yeah, it makes sense that coach, you can, you're, you're free to do what you want. You've, you've heard sure. that, right. But no, like, um, yeah. but having said that you, you talk a little bit about it with Jason just, just a minute ago, but, your sense of, of John Shire, the coach, I know you've known him very well over the years. You've gotten to obviously have a lot of chats with him about Kyle, uh, but just as a coach it, for, for Duke fans out there, what do you think about John Shire, the head coach? How, how does that sound to you? And, and what do you think we should expect from that?
2: I mean, it's a home run. It's a home run, you know, really, um, you know, he, he's clearly the right guy. Um, you know, He's ready, you know. Right now, the other thing too is like he's still a year away, right? So, so we we get a whole year of you know Coach K, the head coach, you know, and, and we're we're still a year away from from John Shire, the head coach. Um, but he's the right guy. He's ready for it. I mean, he he's he's gonna die for his players, and they'll die for him, you know. And, and that was the main thing. You know, I think with coach, you know, is like honesty, integrity, and the fact that he was never going to ask you to do something that he wouldn't do himself. You know, and 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 honestly, you know, probably a step further, like, hey, I'll do some stuff I'm not even going to ask you guys to do. You know, like I'll jump on this grenade. You know, I'll you know, I I remember multiple times, you know, where where coach would walk in the locker room and say, hey, this is my fault. I mean, coach didn't play in that game. How is it your fault? But he, he would step in front of the microphones and, and answer questions and take bullets for the guys on the team. And, and because of that, we would run through a brick wall for him. Um, and a lot of people don't know that, but it's true. And John's the same way. Um, and that's the culture that coach K has built at Duke. And, and I think, You know, John will carry it on. And I think guys like Kyle that are kind of like Duke throwbacks, right? They may play like modern players, but their beliefs and their core values are like Duke throwback core values, you know? So I think it'll be new to see someone else standing up and calling timeouts, but I think it'll be the same in how hard we play and what we stand for.
0: You, you mentioned that just culture of, of Duke University and in and, and your time at Duke, we were on, on campus around the same time. You obviously are national champion and it's been highlighted by Jason Evans in his uh, miniseries Return to Glory. Uh, just take us back. I don't want to talk. I, I know you talk extensively about that year on that show, which everyone should listen to. But how did you enjoy kind of reliving that uh, with Jason and also just with your teammates? How do you enjoy reliving that moment of winning that national title, which was now 20 years ago?
2: Oh, man, I, I'd relive it every day if I could. I think people would eventually get sick of listening to me talk about it. Um, you know, it, it's one of the, you know, top five things, you know. And so um, it was great. And and the best thing is not to do it by yourself. I got to do it with my teammates. You know, it, it drew us back together. You know, that's – the you know, and and I know I didn't play a lot at Duke and nor should I have, but the thing I miss the most about Duke is being around my guys, you know, and so getting a chance to do that is incredible. You know, that's why, you know, I just got back from K Academy, right? Coach K's fantasy camp. I mean, coaching at that camp is fun, but the whole reason I go back is to be around my guys, you know, so I think that's the best part about the whole thing.
1: Oh, by the way, I should tell everyone listening, um, I know Return to Glory has been on hiatus for the summer. It's because uh, our download numbers aren't as great in the summer as they are in the fall. So don't worry. Return to Glory will be coming back um, after Labor Day. Um, we will be releasing the episodes where, uh, where you guys win the Final Four and then win the uh, national title. That's, that's what's coming up. Big tease there. <laughs>
2: yeah, you, you, you ruined the ending. Yeah, <laughs> now,
0: now they know. I think they'll still listen. I, I, I'm just yeah, going to have a hunch there. Um, <laughs> uh, but when it comes to your time on campus, not only were you a basketball player, you were on the national championship team, you also played soccer. And as people in the podcast know, I'm a huge soccer fan. So I want to talk about that for a second. You, you got to play under legendary coach John Rennie during your career. How was it like playing for not one, but two legendary coaches in their respective sports.
2: No, it was incredible and also like two totally different experiences. You know, we we you know for soccer when we played at Clemson we took the bus. You know, for basketball when we played at Clemson
1: we took a charter.
2: You know, I I I remember we were we were number one in the country. Wait, wait, wait.
1: And a- Andy, hold on. Did you guys fly to Clemson for basketball?
2: Abs- absolutely. Oh, yeah. Really? We it's, were... not, it's not that far. Drive, man. Oh, I'll tell you. But, but hear me, though. We, when, I was, when I was on the soccer team, we took a bus to Clemson. It was not a far bus ride. I think it was probably five or six um, getting down there. We lost 1-0 and or 2-1 it was a it was a one goal game and uh the bus ride back was the longest bus ride of my entire (laughs) life because i believe that coach coach rennie put the game tape in uh in the bcr and it was playing on the screen and then when it ended he rewound it and hit play again. Oh my god. And then when it ended, he rewound it and hit play again. So you know, like, I mean, look, we, we were all upset that we lost, but we had to watch it three more times on the ride home. Wow, you know, that so, is some
0: old school coaching right there. That that's is something that's, that Absolutely. takes me back to high school.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so you know, getting getting the chance to play with, you know, guys like Ali Curtis and, you know, Robbie Russell and Trevor Perea and, you know, Donald McIntosh and, you know, all those guys, you know, who were supremely talented guys, um, and then turn around and step into practice with Jason Williams and Chris Duhon and Shane Battier. It uh, It was humbling on the soccer pitch and on the hardwood, but it was also incredible.
0: And the last question I have for you is kind of related to that playing basketball and playing soccer are two totally different disciplines requires two totally different types of conditioning. How hard was it for you to, to do that in kind of shift gears, especially when that period, when soccer ended and basketball began, how hard was it for you to catch up, or, or easy? How did you catch up to speed with your basketball conditioning? While then at the end of the season, then having to revert back to soccer, how does that work as a two sport athlete?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of it depends on the person, you know, I'm sure it was pretty easy for Jay heaps because he's just a freak athlete. Um, It was a little harder for me. Um, I think the other thing too, is, you know, I really had kind of two different roles. You know, when, when I was on the soccer team, I was actually competing, you know, for valuable playing time. Right. Whereas when I was on the basketball team, I wasn't competing for valuable playing time. I was just there to make, make our team better in, in whatever way I could. Um, you know, the other thing with soccer, you know, is, is I would start every year, you know, from the beginning, right. Whereas with basketball, you know, my, my first three years, I didn't join the team until well after their season had already started because we were in soccer season. I actually remember it was one of my great Uh, you know, I don't know how the hell I got away with it kind of stories, but uh, we had lost in the NCAA tournament uh, for soccer. I believe we had lost it at Brown in the elite eight, I believe. Um, We flew back and landed. And as we, you know, as our bus pulled into Duke, they were loading up the basketball bus to go to Hawaii for the Maui Invitational.
1: Oh, and and I remember on?
2: like, yeah, I remember saying, you know, to, you know, Coach Rennie and those guys, like, can I go? And they were like, yeah, we're good. We can do our like end of year meetings, you know, down the road. And then I remember like hustling over, you know, to, the, to Wojo and those guys and saying like, hey, can I come? Like, am I allowed to? I, I, <laughs> like. And they were like, yeah, why not? Like hop on. And so it was like, <laughs> holy cow. All right. Like I'm going to Hawaii. Um, so it was like the, the transition wasn't always that seamless, but uh, some, <laughs> some, sometimes I got away with murder.
0: Well, that that's, you have some great stories. We're not even going to you know bother with some of the other stuff because what you have is just incredible. And also just your insight on, kyle filipowski and and just from the perspective of being his aau coach is very very much appreciated ladies and gentlemen andy Borman, again a member of the 2001 national champion uh basketball team also soccer team and and in return to glory which will be back in september so andy Borman, thanks so much for joining us and we hope to have you back on soon
2: yeah thank you guys
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We just want to thank Andy Borman for that incredible interview uh, that he just gave just a few minutes ago uh, on the DBR podcast. Jason, uh, we have to talk about this because oh, there's so we, many things that we have such to. Such a good interview, <laughs> such a great interview, great questions. But uh, first off, I just want to ask you about what your comment, your questions to him about Kyle Filipowski. To me, I I feel like I'm ready to have him on campus right now.
1: Are you? Oh boy, yeah. I mean, look, I, let, let's let's be clear. Uh, you know, because Andy is very close with Kyle, because he's his coach, um, I, you know, he's going he's gonna to give you the, the rose-colored glasses version of Kyle Filipowski. That said, I mean, I don't know how you could not be excited about a guy who's a combination of Dunleavy, Leitner, and Singler. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, it was, it was really interesting insight. Um, I, I learned some things about, you know, I, I think Andy talking about the fact that Kyle's able to exploit mismatches, both on the perimeter and on the inside, the fact that he's a, a really dynamic um, passer. Uh, th- these are these are the kind of things that I was hoping to get out of this from Andy that I think, you know, have to, as a Duke fan, have to make you excited. And, and look, let's be honest, he, at the end he said there's a possibility that this is not a guy who's looking to rush to the NBA. Um, and that's also really exciting from the standpoint of Duke fans that, um, you know, as great as guys can be as freshmen. I think Kyle Filipowski will be, really good at Duke as a freshman and, um, and be a starter on the Duke basketball team as a freshman, the notion that we might get two, three, maybe four years out of a guy this skilled, whew, can, can we please make that happen?
0: <laughs> I mean, look, he, he mentioned that he's very biased when it comes to Duke and he has Duke cover glass, color glasses on, uh, but I thought he gave a really raw answer when you asked about his, what he needs to improve on and that he needs to prove his decision-making. And, yeah. and letting that, and honestly, that is a very important thing because in college, as you know, Jason, the the between high school and college, that level wraps up, but decision making can make that gap really wide if you're if you're not careful. And, and so, being able to make sure that the game kind of slows down for him uh, at a at a certain point, that's going to be something that will be nice to watch and see how he develops into that because that's going to be a very important thing. Decision making is everything in. College basketball. It can be the difference between you, you know, making the tournament and going all the way or falling out in the first round. So, those sort of things that may not be a very small thing, but at the same time, I think that it's going to be important to see how that develops over this next year and how he improves that. Because when he walks into Duke, the decision making
1: is something that we talk about a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and look, you know, I'm sure that most folks came for the recruiting info. They came for the info about Cal Philipowski. but Donald, your conversation with him uh, about his time at Duke, his relationship with his uncle, Coach K. Uh, I, I have to tell you, my, my, my face hurts because I've been smiling and, and laughing so much <laughs> during that interview that my cheeks actually hurt. And that story, I'm sorry, but that story about the trip on the soccer, Coach Rennie, and the trip home from the six-hour trip home from Clemson. That's one of the best stories. <laughs> I am still dying in laughter from that story. That's just great stuff from Andy.
0: Look, I told you that takes me back to my high school days when you know my my high school basketball coach, we would travel to a lot of away games in Ohio or West Virginia or something like that, where it was a three or four hour trip. And if we lost those games, that tape was on our bus. And he, like he said, VHS tape. We had to rewind. You know when he starts to rewind, you know he's serious about it. So that was uh, a very, very funny story, but also one that took me back to those days where coaches would be so mad that they would just do nothing but show you how bad you lost or, or what you did wrong for an entire bus ride back. It, it, it's fun stuff. It's really great. Before we wrap up, Jason, I, I know that you have some updates on other recruits that are coming down to pike, including a couple of recruits that are going to be coming to Duke for official visits this fall. Let's talk about those two guys.
1: Yeah, and and by the way, um, uh, you know, we spent so much time talking about Kyle Filipowski. Part of what I'm going to tell you folks is the role that Kyle Filipowski is playing in the recruitment of some of these players. The first one is Jaden Shutt. We've talked about him a little bit on this podcast. This is the kid who is an absolute lights-out shooter, widely considered the single best shooter in the entire um, recruiting class. Uh, he is very interested in Duke. Um, a lot of people have made comparisons between his game and John Shire's game, so you know, obviously, <laughs> that would seem to be a really nice fit. Jaden Shutt has scheduled his official visit to Duke for the weekend of August 27th. Um, uh, you know, about a week from now, um, it'll be his first time on campus at Duke. Uh, he also has scheduled an official visit to the University of Florida on September 18th, which is when Florida is playing Alabama in football. So that could be. I, you know, I'm sure there will be very exciting time at Florida um, for Jaden Shutt. But um, uh, Kyle Filipowski says uh, he has said that he has been talking to Jaden Shutt about joining him, joining Derek Whitehead, joining you know, hopefully some other guys, and helping to make John Shire's first class you know really, really impressive. Uh, so, folks, you know, if you're around Duke, be on the lookout that that weekend of uh, of the 27th, 28th, 29th. Jaden Shutt will be visiting Duke, and then the other guy. Um, Super highly regarded player, Mark Mitchell, um, one of the uh, one of, uh, a five-star recruit, one of the probably top 10 players in the class for sure, has said that he is officially going to be visiting Duke on October 15th for Countdown to Craziness. Um, so crazies, when you're out there uh, cheering on the team for Countdown to Craziness, make sure you, you cheer for Mark Mitchell. It's, it's interesting to note, Mark Mitchell's visited Duke before. He took an official visit about a month ago, back in June, I think it was. But that was during his junior year, technically. This is now his senior year. So he's allowed to have another official visit. The the experts out there think Mark Mitchell is going to be a kid who's going to end up committing to Duke. Um, And one of the reasons is the kid's taking a second visit. I mean, (laughs) that has to be a good sign that you're not taking one, but you're taking two official visits. That said, it is worth noting that Mark Mitchell also has official visits scheduled for Kansas and UCLA. And the word is that Mitchell's probably going to decide... You know, try and try and make his decision sometime in November or December, and then the last thing I wanted to mention very quickly, uh, just a couple of days ago, um, Kyle Filipowski and and Derrick Whitehead, the, the two kids who've already committed to Duke, were were on a uh, Instagram chat that they were doing with um, uh, with some other with some Duke students, I believe it is, and uh, and the two of them were asked, "Hey, are you guys doing any recruiting for Duke? Are you guys reaching out to anyone?" And at the same time. They both said, yes, we're talking to Derek Lively. Derek Lively is um, probably the number one recruit in the class. Uh, Now that Imani Bates and Jalen Duran have have moved from the class of 22 to the class of 21, Derek Lively is pretty widely considered the number one recruit in the class. He's seven foot one. He's a pogo stick who grabs every rebound and blocks every shot. But um, he he has got a developing offensive game as well. Um, Folks are really, really high on this kid and um, uh, Filipowski and Whitehead say they are working the hardest to land him for Duke. It, that would be a truly amazing thing. A lot of folks think he's probably leaning toward Kentucky. There's also some talk that Memphis is getting very involved with him, um, but uh, it'd, be, it'd be very exciting if, if these players and John Shire are able to convince the number one kid in the class to come come join the Blue Devils. So back to Mark Mitchell, I have no scientific Or
0: analytical data to back this up. But I feel like guys who take their official visit during Countdown to Craziness usually end up committing to Duke. That's a great point. Obviously, a high energy night, but especially this year where there was no kids in Cameron last year, we haven't had a Countdown to Craziness in two years. The energy in that building on that night is going to be a level that very few people that are not Duke fans will be able to properly understand. And I feel like that is a perfect opportunity to bring in everybody. I don't care what, I don't care what sport they are. If you're a recruit coming to Duke university, I feel like should not right now come to Countdown on craziness because after that night you will commit to Duke university because that energy level is just going to be unparalleled.
1: Yeah. Donald countdown to craziness is one of those occasions where you say this one goes to 11.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, 11, 1100. So <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. Uh, so we're looking forward to those. Jaden shut, as you mentioned, Jason will come next week. Mark Mitchell will come in uh, for countdown to craziness for their official visits. We will look forward to seeing what happens there. And, and hopefully we just lock the doors when he, uh, when Jaden Shutt gets there next week and you know, Oh yeah, he leave, but you know, are you going to, you going to come, come back. Uh, but that will be great, but that will do it for this episode three thirty five of the Duke basketball report podcast. We will be back sometime in the future. I know we have some things coming up, football is coming up. So we may do a preview of that very, very soon, but until then, for jason evans and for sam klein who is not here but we wish he was here to take in this great interview that was andy borman i am donald wine again thank you andy for joining us on this here podcast and now it's time for the duke band to take us home